African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning and welcome to African Dialogue. This is Channel Africa. You're tuned into Channel Africa from an African perspective. And I'm your host, Ayandam Kwanazi. We are currently on the DSTV audio bouquet, Channel 802. And you can also live stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za. On the South Africa has committed to reinvigorating the response to the HIV AIDS epidemic. As announced at the country's ninth AIDS conference last week, the message formed part of the close plenary at the four-day conference, which heard much about how donor fatigue and societal complacency had hampered the fight against the disease. 2019 conference confirmed that about 7.9 million people in South Africa were currently living with HIV and over 4.4 million people in South Africa were on treatment. While the, incident, um, while the incidence has been declining, new infections among youth, particularly adolescent girls and young women, remained persistently high and progress towards the 2030 global epidemic control targets was not adequate, among other things. Well, to help us with this discussion, we're joined on the line by Dr. Ramnik Aluwalia, who is the Chief Executive Officer at the Higher Education and Training HIV AIDS Program, HAIDS, and Professor Kangelani Zuma, who is the Executive Director for the HIV AIDS, STIs, and TB Research Program at the Human Sciences Research Council. Good morning to you both, and thank you for joining us. Good morning, and it's, uh, thank you for having us. Good morning, uh, Ayanda. Thank you for having us. Dr. Ramnik, let me start with you because, I mean, the problem or much of the challenge of HIV is in this 15 to 24-year-old age group. Uh, What are some of the representations that you made to this conference last week? Well, uh, definitely, you know, as much as we we as a country are making great success uh, when it comes to reducing new infections, but we're not doing it at a pace that we would want to and our targets of 2020, the way we have wanted our targets to achieve, we're not in the same pace as we would have wanted. Um, the, the presentation that I made and the question that I have been raising has always been the point specifically to the, to the field I come from, which is the post-school education system. Um, these are young people at the age of 15 and 24 in the universities, in TVET colleges, in community education training colleges across our country. Um, you know, as I can tell you, I'm 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 a, I'm a, I'm a graduate from one of these universities. Mm. I'm a doctor. If I die today, I leave seven orphans in my own family because I pay for them, and my mother keeps asking me. We call it as Indian tax. Mm. But as any average black South African, his or her job is to keep ensuring once he or she is killed to get a job, either as a plumber, electrician, or doctor, engineer is to look after the entire family. Mm. So an economy of scales, we cannot afford to lose young people, and specifically young people in post-school education. We need to make them healthy. They need to live healthy. They need to be able to work in the workspace for the next 40 years, healthy post their graduation. And the country needs them. The family needs them. And these epidemic drivers of the young people in the age of 15 to 24, the drugs and alcohol abuse, the transactional sex, the sugar daddies, reduced condom distribution as well as condom in the last usage, these kind of data 
are really worrying for the young people. And when it comes to higher education, the post-school education system, such data are, and alarming rates of high drugs and alcohol, sugar daddies, transactional sex, issues of LGBTQI, gender-based violence, and all teenage pregnancy and sexual uh, uh, at a very young of 15 to 24, the high rates of sexual reproduction uh, causes us to believe mm. that the infection rates uh, and the incidents have to come down if we have to control the structural and social drivers. Mm. But what about testing, uh, Dr. Ramnik? Are we seeing more young people coming forward to at least test for HIV? Definitely. I must say that uh, I'm just talking about my own interventions mm. from the HATE perspective, which is Higher Education Training, Health, Wellness and Development Center is that we started with only 22,000 young people tested in the year of 2011. That used to be how our testing program used to be in the universities and colleges. Last year, we did over 250,000 young people in in, in universities and Mm. colleges. You can see the exposure, the, the, the kind of engagement young people have wanted, and more and more easy access to services of HIV testing, treatment, and services coming at the doorstep. The biggest challenge for post-school education is these students are writing exams. These young people have classrooms to attend. Stigma of HIV, and they've been asked to leave classes and spend 10 rands on a taxi to go all the way to a Department of Health and waste the whole day in a Mm. month to get their ARVs or testing or other part of their workup, which spoils a lot of academic, and that creates a lot of stigma, that creates a lot of challenges. The aim is... And what we have worked hard is to bring easy access of services, whether it's ARV, whether it's HIV test, whether it's screening, whether it's counseling, psychosocial support, right at the doorstep of these young people. And once it starts coming, more and more peers encourage other peers to come out and test early stages and, and, and be not afraid of this disease, but rather take this disease head on. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. Hmm. Professor Kangelani, what what are your views? I mean, are we making these strides from 22,000 to 250,000? That's a huge um, number. That means there is some improvement. But, I mean, are are, are we... Because one of the things that came out of the conference for me was that um, there was a decline in political will. You know, people are not as interested as they were 10, 15 years ago in in trying to um, stabilize um, HIV. How are we doing? Thank you very much. Um, I think we were at a stage whereby, you know, that feeling that, you know, the the, the, the last mile is, is always the most difficult. And that is the stage where we are right now. We are uh, obviously doing great in terms of, uh, well, well in terms of putting people into treatment. Mm. But there is still a, a big challenge. I think we are faced with a situation whereby, uh, you know, the there is that perception, as my colleague has correctly pointed out, that, um, you know, we are now in control of the HIV epidemic, which is certainly not the case, especially among young children. Indeed, you're correct, the numbers are going down in terms of uh, incidence of HIV, mm. and people are living longer, as you can see, among those people that are older than 35 years, for example, who are on antiretroviral treatment. But now, if you look among the young ones, 15 mm. to 24 years old, even below uh, 12 to 10 to 14 years also, mm. we find among young children, 15 to 24 years, that uh, only 39% in the study that we've done at HSRC uh, are assessing antiretroviral treatment. Mm. 
Now, that's 39%. That's very few uh, young ones that are accessing treatment. Mm. Most of them, uh, if you look among those that are accessing treatment, only 48% are virally suppressed. Mm. Now, that means you've got a proportion of more than 50% among 15 to 24-year-olds that are living with HIV who are not virally suppressed and are therefore likely to transmit the virus to in case they have a sexual in, unprotected sexual intercourse. So now, most of these children who are uh, younger than 15 to 24 years of age, most of them don't know their HIV status mm. and therefore not accessing treatment. Mm. That is why there is a big need, a, a big effort that needs to be put in place to get the young ones to test for their for HIV, get them to know their HIV status, and immediately link them to care. Because the results are showing that uh, those that are on treatment, they are actually responding well, getting virally suppressed, and therefore less likely to mm. transmit the virus. Because treatment works as prevention. Mm. But before we even get there, we need to get them to know their HIV status. Mm. And these are young children at schools, and we know the debate around uh, how much education, how much in- information we can impact on the young ones in school. But the fact is that uh, young children at school, they are, having, they, are exposed to sex, they, are, they are exposed to sex, they are having a sexual intercourse. A number of them get infected with HIV, and they don't even know that they're infected with HIV. Mm. If you look, for example, in the statistics, of those that are younger, between 10 to 19 years of age, for example, we find that uh, even a fewer percentage of them, like the 10 to 20, 10, 13 to 15 years of age, only 57% are exposed to, to, to antiretroviral treatment. Mm. 16 to 19, it goes down to 42.3%. And now that shows that... Uh, the young ones, very young ones, 13 to 15, 16 to 19, they are less, as they grow older, they are less likely to be exposed to antiretroviral treatment. And if they don't get treatment when they're infected at ages around 12, 13 years, and after two, three, four years they don't get treatment, mm. I won't be surprised if before they reach their 20, the mortality statistics actually start to increase mm. in that age group. Mm. And that is the concern that we feel. Mm. And I mean, you, I remember a time when we could only access ARVs when your viral load was on 350. But now we can access it as soon as you get tested HIV positive. Do you think that strategy has also influenced the way we are responding to HIV and seeing some of the small declines in certain areas, uh, Professor Zuma? The, the declines... Uh, in mortality, we've seen them uh, uh, among older people who are most likely were infected some time ago and they've been in treatment. Mm-hmm. And you can see that if you look at the curve, it shows a shift. If you compare the prevalence of HIV by age group from 2012 to 2017, you see a shift among older people mm-hmm. that uh, the epidemic is aging. But among those that are younger than uh, 35 years of age, what you'd expect uh, if prevention messages were, were passing through, we'd expect that uh, the curve of those that are uh, for 2017, the prevalence of HIV must be lower than that of, uh, of 2012. Mm. But that's not the case at the moment. We find that there is no difference 
among the younger ones. This shows that uh, we are doing well in terms of keeping people alive, but we are not making a dent in terms of preventing new infection. And if you relate it back to availability of a treatment, uh, indirectly, one might say it, it may have to do with the complacency that uh, when even uh, even if I get infected, I would have access to treatment. Mm-hmm. And that's not the ultimate goal. And we definitely need to up our game in terms of uh, educating people about HIV infection. Because in the long run, having uh, 7.9 million people living with HIV, which means in fact, those people must be put on treatment. On the fiscal, it, it, it costs a lot. And if we continue having these new infections, for example, we keep adding people under treatment. Mm-hmm. Up to what point? We need to prevent infections so that those that are already infected are taken care of, are put on treatment, and uh, they are protected from uh, actually uh, 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 having what you call a, a, a drug resistant virus, which is another problem that we're facing. Mm-hmm. But actually right now, we've got about 27% based on our statistics, 27% the prevalence, prevalence of drug resistant virus. So, which is a worry, mm. because that is what we find even among people mm. who are not uh, on antiretroviral treatment. So even those that are on treatment, they continue having unprotected sexual intercourse and transmitting uh, the virus, and that is a concern too. Well, that's the voice of Professor Kangelani Zuma, the Executive Director at HIV AIDS, STIs and TB Research Program at the Human Sciences Research Council. He's also joined by Dr. Ramnik Aluwalia, the Chief Executive Officer at the Higher Education and Training HIV AIDS Program, HAIDS. Let's take a short break and then we'll come back to issues such as donor funding, issues such as changing behavior um, Research, you know, South Africa is also leading um, research around HIV/AIDS treatment uh, all over the world. So we're going to talk more about that after the break. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa will deliver his first State of the Nation address, Sona of the 6th Parliament on Thursday, the 20th of June. The address will, however, be the President's third since assuming office in February 2018. His previous sonas were on the 16th of February 2018 and 7th of February 2019. Join Channel Africa throughout the day and listen live to the national address at 1900 Central African Time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. 
Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for choosing Channel Africa. It's 23 minutes after 11. This is African Dialogue. A reminder that tomorrow we'll be having a show on the State of the Nation Address. As we know, the President will be delivering that at 7 o'clock tomorrow from Parliament. Um, if we continue with our program today, that we're, looking at the, we're looking back at the SAA's conference which was held last week. Uh, Dr. Ramnik Aluwalia, the Chief Executive Officer at the Higher Education and Training HIV-AIDS Program, and Professor Kangelani Zuma, who is the Executive Director for HIV-AIDS, STIs, and TB Research Program at the Human Sciences Research Council, are joining me to unpack this conversation. Now, if I can come back to you, Dr. Ramnik, I mean, in terms of research and science, um, is South Africa being the torchbearers here? Because a lot of research comes from South Africa. We've got great scientists. Should we be looking at other ways and methods of addressing HIV and AIDS? You know, um, I, I'm, I'm, I was I was, I was listening to Professor Zuma and I've, I've, I've always been, um, and he comes from HSRC and probably he can share much more insights on when it comes to research work. But to one point that I'm going to emphasize will be when it comes to um, to the area of HIV and AIDS is that mm. the only way we can deal, one of the only ways we can deal with the epidemic of HIV or any other epidemic in South Africa is to tackle the structural and social factors, the structural drivers primarily. Mm. Now the structural drivers, and I think there's, there's, there's a lot of evidence on the structural drivers that exist that leads to the HIV AIDS epidemic. Um, but primarily it's a very difficult kind of a, Long, or, or, a, or a huge research based to show whether the behavior changes and when it comes to structural drivers or whether social science has its, 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 its kind of intervention when it comes to the HIV AIDS epidemic. Quantitatively uh, quantifying the things very easily with the ARVs, it's, very, it's absolutely shown results. It's definitely treatment as prevention is one of the biggest ways we have at this moment. When it comes to structural drivers, I'm talking about issues like getting access to our population to education. Mm. Um, education is prevention. Um, uh, finding ways of unemployment, you know, to curb unemployment. Economic growth of our young people, economic growth of our population in general, employment as such. Um, poverty, which is absolutely uh, a very big uh, associative factor to epidemics like HIV. Uh, I'm talking about issues which relates to, when I see it personally on the ground, is with the drugs and alcohol, uh, issues that relates to patriarchy and gender-based violence and gender equity in general, in, in, in South Africa in general. When I'm talking about structural factors, all these factors eventually have a straight proportional relationship when it comes to epidemics like HIV and AIDS. The aim of us is to fight structural factors. The aim of us is to put energy and emphasis towards how do we deal structurally as a country when we have so many challenges, when we have such issues coming up. While we tackle structural factors, and as our government, as our civil society, donor funds, and, 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 and our partners work together on the structural factors, I have full hope that this epidemic automatically or slowly and gradually will start coming down mm -hmm. because of us tackling the structural factors. So for me, the emphasis has to be a lot on the structural drivers, the structural factors in this country, and, and as much as treatment and as much as health needs to be absolutely emphasized when it comes to the, the epidemic of HSS. It's two of the things together when it has to run parallel.
Mm. I mean, you speak of the funding. Global funding is shrinking all over the world. How do you think we can make uh, or continue to make HIV AIDS an important issue for everyone to, to, to fight? I think uh, uh, three important things. South Africa, probably compared to the rest of Africa, is very fortunate. We still spend close to 75% of our funding domestically. Um, unfortunately, many other nations around us do not have that luxury. Mm. So we do have our internal domestic resources, thanks to the Treasury and the government of South Africa, and also our private sector in, in total. But when it comes to donor funding now coming down, it's all about how innovatively, and thanks to Dr. Zuma and his entire team in HSRC and many researchers who are trying to give us more innovative ways of how do we tackle HIV and AIDS, how do we find the missing South Africans not on ARVs and we put them on ARVs, and mm -hmm. definitely ARVs putting them on early will help the middle 90 that is on a shortfall for us in South Africa for which we can reduce treatment and, and we can put the people more on treatment and, and, and prevention. So I think uh, uh, emphasis needs to be done when it comes to our fiscus to put more uh, investments domestically, cover up the donor investments that are shrinking gradually and slowly. We're still very fortunate that our country still, still puts a lot of uh, internal resources in it. We need to still cover the missing 20-25% somewhere, uh, but I think we still have time. We have a, a few years when we have still donor funds with us and committed to South Africa. Global Fund has just recently signed an agreement with South Africa from 2019 to 2022. It gives us another 3-4 uh, years for us to still go in partnership with big, bigger donors that, that have still uh, stayed with us. PEPFAR has still mm. uh, committed itself to continue with us. But our 75% resources that we put internally in our response needs to gradually increase. And that is where the country needs to find its own internal resources. And somewhere you have to find resources to put in HIV means you have to cut somewhere, mm. which means the country needs to either find its economic growth back and find its more economic fiscus properly uh, distributed, or it needs to find some money from some, money from some other resources that needs to be prioritized towards the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Mm. Professor Zuma, how do we start dealing with the structural drivers? I mean, they're very entrenched. Unemployment, drugs, alcohol. Uh, we live in a violent society. How do we begin to address some of these contributing factors? Indeed, uh, Dr. Alwala has highlighted uh, a number of important structural drivers. And maybe to, to add on that, uh, which is one of the important aspects of these structural drivers, is that of stigma around uh, uh, HIV and AIDS, which is uh, still persisting. Um, we need to, to strengthen all our, you know, efforts, and everyone, all all of us, are, are responsible to play our part in uh, educating people about the HIV and AIDS. Um, we need, for example, we have a situation whereby young ones we are talking about the 15 to 24 years of age, mm. whom. Uh, as parents, we, we, we think or want to believe that they are not sexually active. The question is how we as parents, are we, do we have the ability, do we have the knowledge how we could deal with a, a situation whereby we have to, to deal with a child that uh, we thought was not sexually active, but right now is we find out that the sexually active is also infected with HIV. Are we prepared as parents to, to deal with that? Are we prepared as parents to deal with that stigma? 
Uh, so mm-hmm. we need to educate people about all these aspects and all these uh, challenges. So that is the first, uh, you know, point to, to, for one to get to be able to live with HIV. You need support from people around. You need support from uh, uh, the, the service providers, for example, mm-hmm. so that uh, the youth, they find it easy to go and approach a health facility, get tested, get to know HIV uh, status, if positive, be able to take uh, medication. So it's, it's something that we need to, to, to really educate our society about those, uh, those challenges. Mm. We, uh, as we have seen from a, a number of, uh, you know, the declarations that were made at, at the conference, uh, a stigma also was, was highlighted. And also the issue around the prevention. Mm. We need to strengthen our our prevention efforts. We seem to have, uh, you know, focus more on on treatment as prevention, but not move at the expense of prevention. You know, educating uh, yes. people about HIV and protecting oneself from being infected with HIV. Those are the programs that we really need to strengthen so that we don't have more people being added onto the pool that mm. lives with HIV uh, to prevent those infections. Mm. And what about research, uh, Professor Zuma? Is there room for in, um, innovation when addressing HIV? What, 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 what are scientists looking into at the moment? Uh, there are two areas. It's around behavioral research to understand, uh, you know, how do we communicate to the animals using technology, uh, how do we convey messages in the way that uh, will be, you know, received? And also, it's not about only conveying a message. It's about being able to uh, translate that message from when it is received into changes in behavior. Mm. So how do we make sure that the message that we are conveying, uh, you know, translate to behavior to behavior change? And also another uh, area of research is that of uh, understanding, you know, the, the microbiological aspects of the HIV epidemic. Mm. As we have seen, for the first time when we conducted the study, we added another component which looks at uh, the drug resistance that I highlighted earlier on, mm. whereby it's another challenge that we face that uh, when people are not taking medication in the way that they are supposed to take and take medication consistently, that can lead to a, 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 a resistant mutation. Now, with that being present, and if that is not going to mm. immediately, we will face a situation whereby we deal with a bigger proportion of people who've got a resistant virus. So we have highlighted those aspects about microbiological aspects of the epidemic that we need to deal with. And it's all about, you know, how we take our medication ensuring that people, you know, uh, uh, do comply or do adhere to to the regimens that uh, they've been uh, provided. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the voice of Professor Kangelani Zuma. Let's take the last break and then we can wrap up after this. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms. On Facebook, Channel Africa One. On Twitter, at Channel Africa One and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective.
Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa. The voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Attention to our listeners. The first hour of Africa Digest will not be broadcast on Channel 802 on the DSTV Audio Bouquet. The 1700-hours show will only be found on shortwave and online on www.channelafrica.co.za. Please note that this only applies to the 1700-hours Central African Time show. The 1900-hour Central African Time program will be back on all the platforms. Channel Africa, giving you an African perspective. Welcome back to African Dialogue. A reminder that at 11.45, we're going to have our Econ News. And at 10 minutes before 12, it will be followed by our sports uh, update. Well, I'm on the line with Dr. Ramnik Aluwalia, who is the Chief Executive Officer at the Higher Education and Training HIV AIDS Program, HAIDS, and as well as Professor Kangelani Zuma, who is the Executive Director for HIV AIDS, STIs, and TB Research Program at the Human Sciences Research Council. Just towards our conclusions here, let me just take this uh, with you, um, Dr. Zuma, because we're talking about um, research. We had that breakthrough case, the London case, earlier this year. Are there lessons from that case going forward? Uh, well, we, we, we still have a long way to, in our settings, you know, to be able to to what can I say to to, to implement mm-hmm. what we learn from the, from the, you know the, the, the treatment for for example from the London case that has been mentioned and also uh, indeed there are lessons that we can learn but in terms of uh, implementing that in our setting uh, it would still be quite a, a mammoth task for us as a country to climb and also give in. The, the, the numbers that, uh, of people living there with HIV in our country. I think uh, we, it's something that is uh, an idea that is there with uh, hoping that with the research being uh, uh, taken up and conducted, eventually uh, there could be something that could uh, happen because every day you know, with new innovations, there are uh, good prospects that uh, even uh, medication that could last longer in one's body uh, would maybe one day be, be, be available. But I think for now the focus should be more on uh, ensuring that uh, we prevent infect- new infections and ensuring that uh, those that are already living with HIV are aggressively put on treatment 
because once they are on treatment mm. and once they are virally suppressed, the chances of transmitting the virus are really very minimal. And then we can talk about being in control of the epidemic and then also talk about, uh, you know, a, a treatment that uh, would cure or, or, or eliminate the virus from one's body. Mm. Now, Dr. Ramnik, advancing the progress and accelerating these efforts um, on fighting HIV and AIDS is centered around the 2016-2021 strategy by the Joint United Nations Program on HIV and AIDS. And, you know, this entails 90% of all people living with HIV will know their status. 90% of all people with di- who are diagnosed with HIV will receive sustained antiretroviral therapy. Looking at the numbers we're facing right now in terms of how many people know their HIV status and the fact that we know how many are on ARVs, are these goals realistic? See, for, for just recently at the, at the South African AIDS Conference, uh, both HSRC and TAMBISA trials that mm-hmm. have been able to give us new results have shown that South Africa has performed quite well in the first 90. We're almost touching the 90 off the first 90. Mm-hmm. The problem of the middle 90 is that we are touching close to about 62%, and that's where our weakness is at this moment. And Dr. Zuma was trying to, Professor Zuma was trying to put that in perspective. And the last 90 is something that we have also achieved. So we are basically sitting at 90, 62, 90. Mm. So the 62 is where Dr. Professor Zuma is correctly right, is that we need to find ways of people who know their HIV status and are positive are put on treatment and are put on treatment immediately. And I think that's where the 60, the next 62 is. And I think that's where our biggest effort needs to go. And, and if you remember when I started this discussion with you, I said one of the things we achieved in post-school education, we are trying to achieve very hard is how do we bring easy access of treatment, mm. not only just the testing, on the sites of our campuses mm. so that these young people don't have to go to Department of Health. Dr. Professor Zuma is right. It's a huge stigma that is attached to go to Department of Health. These young people do not want to go. They only go to the last stages of their life when they have to go to the, to the clinics. The aim is how do we make youth-friendly services reach right at the doorsteps mm. of these young people? How do we make treatment in access to them so that they can get treatment? I do totally concur that this new innovation that we're trying to work hard on with the research of the fact that long-term ARVs, that you can inject the ARV or you can take the ARVs and can stay in the body for long-term mm-hmm. rather than taking daily dosages, can also be very effective. Mm-hmm. So the aim is to, not, to find young people and, and continue, the, continue put the efforts in schools and universities and colleges in out of the community in order for them to get tested because that's the first 90. As soon as they're positive, we have to find innovative ways mm. to put them on treatment, get easy access of treatment to them. We need to work extremely hard towards it and continuously making sure they adhere to treatment because if they adhere to treatment, they continuously take treatment, their viral load is bound to get suppressed. And that's what has shown with our next 90, that is, which is where the viral load is low in their body. And when the viral load is low, the transmission rates to, uh, to other person becomes absolutely negligible or extremely minimized, and that prevents HIV in spreading. But we cannot sideline the structural factors. We mm-hmm. cannot sideline again the bigger issues of how do we put strong methodologies and as government and civil society work together towards alcohol and drug abuse, abuse which happens at this young age, the unbound freedom, the poverty-driven transactional sex or transactional sex in general, which is a patriarchy society or a gender-based violence 
or teenage pregnancies or girls becoming pregnant at young ages. This means open sex is quite, quite commonly mm. happening. And how do we engage young people to have, preventive, uh, to have prevention when while having sex? Mm. Not saying you can't have sex, but the aim is to prevent yourself, be loyal to your partner. Education will play a massive role. Um, there is no way... Um, any society you can see, the bigger world, the developed world, wherever education levels have been high, the skills, uh, our populations have been more skilled, have gone through tertiary systems or, or, or post-school education systems, we've always seen the epidemics and other kind of transmittable transmittable epidemics like HIV have been low. So we have to work on the structural factors drastically along by the side which I explained how do we get easy access to our young people, the services. And that is the important part. Are these young people that we can't leave behind? I consider myself a young person as well. Thank you so much Dr. Ramnik Aluwalia who is the Chief Executive Officer at the Higher Education and Training HIV AIDS Programme HAIDS and also Professor Kangelani Zuma is the Executive Director for HIV AIDS, STIs and TB Research Program at the Human Sciences Research Council. Thank you so much for your time to uh, both of you gentlemen. Thank you, Ayala. Thank you very much. And thanks to Professor Zuma.